0: Welcome to Cashing In on Content Marketing. Each week, marketing experts will explain how to measure your content marketing results and communicate that value to stakeholders. I'm your host, Fractal Marketing Director, Amanda Milligan. This week on the show, I am very pleased to have Mike Utabalam. He is the founder of the Black Creative Group, which is based in DC where I am. So I was excited to find that out. And we have a, a special episode today. Because instead of just diving into marketing tactics and strategies, we wanted to take some time to look at the Black Lives Matter movement and how the marketing industry can do a better job of being more inclusive and lifting Black voices and Black professionals. So, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show and taking the time to do this.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you reaching out.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to get your perspective. And before we jump in, I'd love to hear about your career. Like, how did you get started in this? And how did you come to, f- to be a founder of this group, of this company?
1: Sure. So I started, you know, I was really involved, you know, student involvement in college. I went to the University of South Florida. And what we ran into is, you know, we would have these great events, but we just wouldn't have any flyers. And so I said, you know what, I'll take the initiative so i taught myself how to use paint and that's how i would make my first flyers through paint and then microsoft word and then eventually someone told me about some weird program called photoshop and you know i taught myself how to use that and this this is when photoshop was like two thousand dollars for the software and you know then that became like you know a passion of mine and so you know had a portfolio in college got my first job at a chamber nonprofit, and that's really what i got into the you know creative suite and really, at, you know, when you work in nonprofits, you're kind of like a master of several different areas. So you're not just a graphic designer. You're also an event promoter. You also talk to sponsors. And so that's what really got me saying that, you know, I don't just have to be a designer. I could be, you know, digital. I could do several different things. And so every job that I've had since then has just been preparing me more and more to make the leap to have my own company. And so my last job, it was at the Executive Leadership Council, which is a nonprofit. And that's where my, my niche has been is a nonprofit worker, chamber work. I just noticed that, you know, I was doing a lot and I had the know-how, but working for one job just did not seem a right fit for me because it just had so many ideas. And so I founded this company as a side project about 2018 and it started doing really well, got some clients and, you know, but just didn't get to the point to where I can go full time. And then COVID happened and I was at a point already where I was making my same salary to the side. And so I said, okay, well, now that we're remote, I can actually put more work into this. And so I dived into it and got to a point to where now my side business actually eclipsed my wow. main hustle. And quit the job. And you know, because of COVID, they couldn't really hire anyone else because it was just a tough transition. And so they actually turned into one of my not major clients, but a client. And so ever since then we've just been building and building and building and I brought Crystal on. She's my partner as a PR and a messaging like chief. And we've just been building and building. And our initial focus was just to help black businesses and black entrepreneurs. But ever ever since everything has happened, we've seen like an interest of, you know, people who just, they just have, they haven't worked with anybody, anybody black before. And they just reached out to us and said, hey, we want to diversify who we work with and the companies we work with and the monies we give out. And so we've expanded to include them as well. And so it's been, it's been a great opportunity, you know, you know, running a business is hard, but because of the work that we're in and because of the field that we're in, we're just passionate about it and we love it.
0: Yeah. I noticed that as a company, you guys, you touch on a lot of different stuff. Like you do design and marketing and web UX and everything. So it seems like that comes from how you got into this career is like dabbling and all. And you said that, so, you were focused on Black businesses, Black entrepreneurs, but then you got interest from other companies because do you, right. was that very recent in response to Black Lives Matter? And suddenly people are realizing, like, Absolutely. we do not have enough of a diverse mindset. Right,
1: right, right. And some of them will actually say, like, hey, we know this isn't an excuse, but we honestly, like, just we did not notice that we have never had a Black agency on record or a Black designer, we've never worked with a black person, you know, in this field before. And so now we're going to be intentional about doing that. So while I appreciate that, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, why did it require, you know, a death for you to, you know, to take a look at, you know, your processes and your vendors and all that kind of stuff. So we're appreciative, but at the same time, it's like about about time, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally understand that. I was, I was going to ask what your impression was when that
1: started happening. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... Some of it is authentic. You know, it comes from a good place. I think, you know, from our experience with some companies, it's literally they just check it off a box. And they say, hey, we worked with one Black agency. We're good. We're covered. Mm. And some have literally just come to us just so they could say they tried to reach out to a Black agency and they weren't up to par. You know, because, you know, a prime example is we had a major company reach out to us. We went through this whole consultation phase, several calls, and we got a good feel. And then we sent a proposal to them and it was silence and it's kind of like, oh, well, maybe you just did that just so you could say you pitched to one black line, but you really had no intention of in working with us. And so that's happened a few times. And then we just we just learn and keep moving. So because we have people who are really looking to work with us and, and trying to work with us.
0: Well, yeah, that's exactly the kind of stuff I want to get at, like things that we would never even know is happening sometimes. Like you hear these types of stories and it's very eye opening that people are just kind of checking boxes or they, they don't. <laughs> actually, have their heart into changing. So, how has your experience as a black professional in this industry, when you came, especially maybe when you were starting a company? You know, do you think there are particular challenges that you faced?
1: Yeah, I think you know, just you know, being black, there aren't really a lot of, of resources. You know, you know, you would think that you know, the, you know, between the Minority Development Business Council and even like banks. It, it, it's hard, right? And 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 because you don't know a lot of things, and there's not really someone you don't really have mentors. Like I'm, I'm just not getting a mentor. I'm learning a lot of things on my own, and you know, I love doing that. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, I went to college. You know, I I've worked in nonprofit. Like I've, I've been a professional for 15 years, and so it's hard for me. You know, how, how is it for the, you know, the, the professional that doesn't have a college experience or, you know, doesn't know these things and, you know, is struggling to get funding, has a great idea, but can't get funding. So I always think about that in the back of my mind. Like, while I'm struggling, I have the experience to where I can speak to. But, you know, what about the people that, you know, don't have the you know experience and looking to go out, go out on their own? It's, it's hard. It's hard. And so I wish that there were, were one, more like business development resources available, readily available to black businesses. And, and I'm starting to see them more now, but again, it's kind of like, it shouldn't have required all this for this to be, it's easily available to everybody.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, we, as part of trying to figure out what we need to do better at our agency, it was really fascinating reading some of the materials about like hiring and things that you don't even think twice about, like the language in a job posting. I, I right would have never thought about some of these things. I and mean, you're absolutely right. Things like mandating a certain level of education, or it was very interesting to learn that stuff. And it is, it's, it's frustrating. Like we should have known and like read this stuff. And I'm hoping that people are getting clued into it now. And we're we're hoping to make those changes. But yeah,
1: that it is really interesting. Like well, even things, you know, and I'm glad people are challenging it. You know, you sometimes, especially in the creative field, you'll see like, you know, creative like javascript so you wouldn't you wouldn't see this in like a you know a corporate job but you'll see stuff like we're for a good culture fit right and and, mm. and that that speaks volumes because if your agency is white you know anybody of color would not be a culture fit right and so and 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 then there would be barriers you know from recruiters to managers on letting this person in and, and the managers and recruiters may not understand the bias but yeah if you have all white agency and someone is different they, you're going to say they're not a fit you're not going to verbally say it, but you're going, to, you're going to make it difficult for them to come into the door. And then once they're in the door, um, you're going to make it hard for them to go to the top because they're not a culture fit. So stuff like that needs to change if it hasn't already changed.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, being able to recognize, OK, we have a majority white staff. If we say things like we need a culture fit, that right. sends a signal that you know, whether intentional or not is terrible. Right. So we talked about. You know, hiring is a big piece of this and I'll link to some resources in the show notes for people who are interested in those topics because it is, it's really important. And also you mentioned business development and having resources for people who have great ideas, but don't have the same resources as others and aren't able to lift those off the ground. Other, other aspects of you know, you don't just work in marketing, you work in kind of the the whole creative space, but any other aspects of our industry that you think could be improved upon. Like I know going to conferences or even seeing the lists of people speaking at conferences has been overwhelmingly white for a long time. And I think recently people are trying to get a little bit better about it. so what what are your thoughts on that? and just like representation and like the thought leadership realm?
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that. You know, a colleague of mine, we went to a, a, the Forbes 30 and 30 conference. I believe it might have been in Detroit last year. And, of course, I went to the marketing track. And there was one session I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to go. It was the a, a CMO session. And it might have been CMOs of either major tech companies or it might have been under a certain age range. And we get there and we look at the panel and the panel's all white. And I look at my colleague who's black and I was like, oh, Why? why is it that cmos especially at that level is like oh i'm gonna get white and she was saying that's that's the field if you look at advertising if you look at the marketing field the, the closer you get to the top this is across the industry the wider it gets it just it just really stuck with me and then and then you go to conferences like adobe max and while it is more diverse it's not more it's, it's not black and so what, what you've seen is you've seen companies and small organizations say hey we're going to create a conference specifically for black people while and while, you know, like Afrotech, you know, but some of these conferences and while that is great, we need to get to a point to where these major conferences are more inclusive. And so if Adobe Max is going to have a conference or a virtual conference, a specific amount of those speakers needs to be black, you know, and not like of color, you know, which some people use to, you know, hide the fact that, you know, while it is diverse, There's there's no emphasis on Black. Black companies need to say, no, we need this many Black influencers, Black advertisers, Black marketers to be on our panels. So the representation is is actually true. And so that's what I want to see at conferences. So more representation and then just better recruiting. And so, you know, you know that your advertisers, your marketers are, are white. And so what are you doing to go to HBCUs? Or our smaller companies to say, hey, we would love to get more, you know, Black people to attend our conferences. What can we do? What incentives can we do to make sure that you get here? Because when I went to Adobe Max, this is about five years ago, my company paid for it. And the ticket was like thousands of dollars. And then, you know, you have to get to California and pay for a hotel, which is a couple thousand. So the right. total package might have been five thousand. And again, I was fortunate enough to be in a job that I said it will, will invest but Thinking about everyone else, you know, that can't, you know, and, and they're missing out on experience and on skills and, and what they need to be successful, but they can't afford to go to Adobe Max. So, I just like to see, you know, what programs they have you know, for, for black students, for black creatives.
0: Yeah, it's it really is systemic and that it, it comes up in all these little ways. That's the right, the really so when somebody hears that and they know that it's involved in like the fabric of how things operate and they want to do something, you know, how can an individual or an agency or a company come to start making these changes? Again, auditing or hiring and making sure that they're reaching out to these other sources for employment rather than just relying on the same things. Is there anything else that people should be cognizant of or you know, how, how they can educate themselves or anything that you suggest to marketers out there who are listening to this. They're like, yeah, I should probably educate myself more or
1: get more involved. Yeah, I would say, you know, the first is it's not the onus of Black people to educate, you know? And I've said that, you know, for the past couple of months, you know, with the whole George Floyd thing happened, you know, people reached out and they were like, hey, how can we be a better ally? And my first thing, it was like, well, do the research because it's not my mm-hmm. job to give you the roadmap so if it's coming from a good place that shouldn't offend you, that should, that should be like as an invitation to say, hey, I would love to work with you, but meet me here first. And then let's have the conversation. And then, you know, for companies, you really have to be intentional and not, not apologetic. And it's going to rub a few people the wrong way to say, hey, 20 percent of our new hires must be black. And then in order in order for it to happen, you have to tie it to the business. And so you say 20 percent of the new hires must be black. If this doesn't happen, I'm taking it out of your bonus. I'm affecting your pocket to ensure that this will happen. And not only that, 20% that come in here will be black. That means five years from now, in the C suite, we must have one black person. And so it has to be like systemic, it has to be like eventual. But if you have these parameters, you will see a change through the pipeline. But you have to say today, this is what we're going to do over the next three or five years. Like, what's your plan? Like, it's, it's no longer effective enough to say, we stand for black lives. Great. You know? What are you going to do to fix the situation in your industry, in your job, to fix, you know, the whiteness that we see, you know, across all industries?
0: That's great. Did you create the Black Creative Group in response to all of these issues that you saw? So wanting to have a company that was Black-owned and, you know, Black employees and supporting Black businesses, was this trying to compensate for the industry that was kind of failing?
1: Right, right. Yeah. You know, what we noticed was, and Chris was my partner, she works for the U.S. Black Chambers, and I worked for a Black nonprofit. And what we just noticed was we run into a lot of like really great Black business entrepreneurs or, or, or owners. But they just don't have the resources to really promote themselves, or they don't have like the $10,000 it need, that needed to really do a true campaign. So we said, well, we have the expertise. How can we help you get to the point to where you can scale? to get to that level. And so that's eventually, essentially why we started it. We wanted to create something for our own people. And of course, like, you know, we've expanded since then, but that's the core, that's at the core of our business is to help black entrepreneurs with marketing services to get them to the level to where they could compete with their counterparts of other races.
0: Right. When you say business resources, just again, in case people are listening and they want to provide these types of things, do you have any thoughts on what kind of resources would be really useful that maybe other professionals can rally together and create?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I'm sure this exists, but, you know, just like a incubator, right? And, you know, when you hear incubator, you think of tech. You think of like, yeah. uh, these the, you don't think of creative, right? And so maybe an incubator for creative industries or even for like, small mom and pop restaurants that that have to go virtual now because of COVID, right? How can these companies, knowing that they have like a a max, a $2,000 budget to get things done, what can we do to provide them with the resources they need to scale or to move to a virtual experience to where they can still receive some revenue? Because, you know, the, the customers haven't gone anywhere, but they're just not out. You know, nobody's walking into your store now, but they're still online. So what can we create as businesses to help these small businesses. So that that may be like a major bank saying, hey, we're going to sponsor this program and we're going to focus on companies that are at this revenue level, which may be below what we see in the industry. And that's really where we want to be in a few years. We want to be able to say, we have this program for small black businesses. If you go through this program for a few weeks, We'll be able to gift you with this, and it'll help your business go virtual, help your business, you know, move forward. But you know, in specific, I would say resources on getting funding from banks, resources on creating a business plan, resources on just general marketing yourself in the COVID era, and then of course stuff like accounting, you know, just general business resources that these small companies would need that they don't know about because they haven't been exposed to it. So. That is what I would recommend. So if we could figure out a way to pull those resources in a way that is very cost-effective or or it is sponsored, even free for these businesses to participate in, I think that'd be a, a really good resource.
0: Yeah, those are great suggestions. I love that. And again, it's stuff that, you know, if you are privileged and you're just kind of like cruising through life, you wouldn't even think right. that right. people
1: don't have access to this type of stuff. And even working for a company there's a lot of things you take, take for granted. And so, you know, I, I just remember, you know, during the whole Obamacare thing, that kind of like went in one year and out the other, because I had a job who provided me with insurance. But now that I'm on my own, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, you start to see like the cost of things and the true cost of things. And I can see how if a company is like, if the government is like, you must provide insurance for all your employees, I can see how they'd be like, well, I'm going to get rid of my employees because I literally cannot afford to pay the insurance and continue running my business. And so just, it's, it's a lot that I'm starting to realize and understand as I'm older and as I'm a business owner, you know, just, just for resources that small businesses need.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Is there anything that you wish that I asked or anything that I've missed that you think is important for marketers to know?
1: I would say, you know, for marketers have, you know, and it just depends on your field, have you ever, you know, one, promoted a product to the Black community? Or have you ever challenged, have you ever been in a room full of non-Black people? Have you ever said, hey, we need representation in this room? Has everybody ever stopped up and raised their hand and said, we are running a massive campaign and there's no Black representation in this room. We need it. You know, and and if not, you know, if you haven't checked that, and then, you know, if you have a seat at the table and in the room, you need to say something, you need to speak up, because you know, as you've seen over the past couple of years, some of these major corporations, they released these ad campaigns that you could just tell that there was nobody <laughs> black in the room. And if they were black, they had no power to say anything. And so just, you know, just be intentional. If you're ever in a room, you don't see representation. And it's not just black people. If you don't see any Latino representation, any Asian representation, you speak up. Because now you're, this is a group think. And like, you're not bringing different diverse forces into the room, and as you know, that, may, that means your advertising isn't, isn't as effective.
0: And that's really powerful what you said, that even if they're in the room, that doesn't mean that they feel like they're empowered to say something. Right,
1: right. There was a meme, there's a meme that's going around and it has like a, a Band-Aid over a, a crack on the concrete. And the caption goes, this is a company hiring a chief diversity officer to fix systemic racism. And it, it is, it's true, right? So, you know, the, the chief diversity officers of these companies, even these agencies, are all black or of color, but it's a very powerless position, right? And so you're, you're leaving it, you're essentially saying this billion dollar company, I'm going to hire one person to fix the systemic issues in my company, but I'm not going to give them any power. And I'm going to essentially make it so difficult for them that they will leave within the next two, three years and then we'll <laughs> But at least we say, hey, we tried and it didn't work out, right? And so you just need to be more intentional. You must be intentional.
0: Yeah, that's... That really illustrates kind of like the overall problem, like that example, like in terms of the workforce, like, okay, we're going to, like you said, checkbox, we tried it and that's it rather than, because I think what a lot of people are afraid of, and honestly, what I've been afraid of in the past is making a mistake. So people just don't do anything, or they just decide it's not their problem, rather than, okay, we're going to actually try to make these changes, it's probably going to be difficult, like for some people, and it's not going to be easy, but it's the actual work that has to be done. Right.
1: Right. I, th- I think that's, you know, the downside of cancel culture is, you know, people really aren't allowed to be wrong or make mistakes without, like, getting blasted. And I get the frustration of, like, hey, we've been saying this for, like, years. How how are you getting it wrong? But you, you, you have to put it out there. And, and people are going to bash you. You're going to have people that says, you know, why did it take you so long? And then you just keep pushing forward. You must keep pushing forward. You got to put yourself out there. Because we are, we're expected to do that. We're expected to, you know, when it comes to companies, like, we are expected to... Constantly put ourselves out there and work twice as hard. So why why can't other people do it as well?
0: Right (laughs) when you when you're able to make that comparison, which people never do. Like wow, how much have black people had to deal with at these situations, and we are like nervous just because one person says you haven't done that, you should have known this before, and then we immediately freeze and stop. It's yeah. It's definitely interesting. and something that we need to get over.
1: (laughs) And I think another thing in in general, you know, is, you know, with with hiring practices and even promotion practices, you know, there are a few studies I've read about, um, this is mainly corporate America. When it comes down to hiring, for example, a CEO, if it's a white candidate, the white candidate can, can, there are five qualities to have. The white candidate can have three of the five and make it to the top. The black candidate must have five to even be considered, right? And we see this not at the CEO level, but at several different levels. Even below the CEO, it pretty much says that the the black candidate must be perfect in order to be considered. The white candidate or non-black candidate can be missing several key experience points and still make it. And so I think we must, we have to change that. And if you see someone of color that is talented, but they're missing something, give them a chance, you know, give them a chance, give them a, you know, put them on probationary period, let them prove themselves because you have no idea what they can do with that position. You know, in, in any job, any position that's on a job training, they're not going to have everything. And even if they do have everything, you still have to teach them, you know, how to do it at this company. And so you just, you know, give people a chance or tell them, Hey, we didn't hire you because you're missing this. If you get this, we'd love to have another interview in the future, but don't just say give them the standard, like, Oh, you know, we have moved on to other candidates. We love your, don't don't do that, but give them like, hey, this is why we didn't hire you. This is what we recommend, you know? And that I feel like that would help in some aspects of the hiring process.
0: That's interesting. I haven't heard that. And that makes a lot of sense, like specifically saying we're interested in you. You do have a lot of great qualities, but this is the one thing that if you improve on, you know, come back. That's a much different message than just like, either ghosting them completely or saying, sorry, you weren't chosen, which you have no idea why. That's a really good actionable thing people can start doing immediately. So, Mike, what I usually do on the show is I ask who you would recommend to be a future guest. And so typically the show is about helping content marketers understand the value of their work and communicate that value. And of course, if I have a lot of white people on the show... Right. What ends up happening is there's a lot of white like, guests, right. you know, and I'm trying to be more cognizant of that in general for the show, but do you have recommendations on who can give other marketers great tips on either how to better calculate their own results? Cause sometimes people put stuff out there, especially with content. It's like tricky when to know right. the value of what you're doing. Right. So either understanding the results of that or being able to talk. And I think that whole dynamic comes into play a lot with our conversation of like, how do you get buy-in for things and, and feel empowered to do that? Yeah. Do you have any recommendations?
1: Yeah. I had one of my good friends, his name is Clarence Fluker. And I'll send you his contacts. He's awesome. He works for the Obama administration and he is in a comms role at a nonprofit in DC. I can't remember the name, but he's awesome. That's like one of my mentors. And then I have a uh, colleague, Jeff Jean, who's UI UX developer for Advent Health. And he also works with us on a contract basis. He's also great. And he can bring a different perspective as far as like representation in the medical field when it comes to being a creative. So those two I'd recommend off the top of my head.
0: That sounds wonderful. And I would really appreciate those intros. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. As you said, it's on white people, white marketers to figure out how we need to fix this. So the fact that you shared with us us for half an hour means a lot. And I will include a bunch of links in the show notes for people who are interested in these various topics, whether it's hiring or, you know, what have you, business development. But thank you so much for being on the show, Mike. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. For more insights and exclusive resources on how to justify content marketing, join our email newsletter by going to frac.tL clicking on our work, and then podcast. See you next week.